Coming to you live this morning from the Mushroom Kingdom, WKBAG Studios. Wario K. Rule, Bowser, Andros Gannon. This is Video Games a Comedy Show. My name is Tony Hawk, and it is beautiful. Uh, the Toads are hustling and bustling, and the Koopas are all in jail. We have a very special episode for you guys today. Uh, just one of the members of the Zoo Tycoon crew made it here today with us, and that is, of course, the lovely Michael McCaller. Ow, ow! Don't you worry, girly. Ugh. Just, it's, that sound effect is the perfect length uh-huh. for me. Um, so you hear it, you get it in your brain, it gets stuck in your head all day for some reason. Yeah, it gets stuck and in your head all day. And you start saying it in weird times <laughs> during the day, like, yeah, to the chubby dude who sells you coffee. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, don't you worry, girly. And he's like, what? Yeah, you assume the character of that person as soon as you hear it. It's like uh, the grudge. Uh, yeah, but this episode's going to be great because we're just going to be basically interviewing uh, Michael, much in the same way that we interviewed Michael <laughs> uh, a few months before. I want to do this periodically throughout the years, just have one of the members of the Zoo Tycoon crew come on and sort of, you know, talk about where they're coming from uh, with regards to video games and just their like life in general. Uh, these conversations are always very peaceful, very kind, very open. And uh, they're kind of a treat for me. That being said, though, we don't have like a, a main theme. So uh, uh, if you were expecting a main theme, uh, well, tricked you or it, we do have one. And it's Michael McCollar. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's the theme. Uh, but before we get started on that, we'll just c- kind of briefly, if there's any new stuff we want to talk about, we can get it out now. It sucks because... We really do want to have more people for the news, uh-huh. right? Because there's a ton of news that right. just happened. And I know my favorite, my game of the year just came out. So uh, I also want to talk about that forever. But that's not the point of this episode, it's you not. idiots. No. Uh, but yeah, just briefly, let's. We, we need to mention that probably Stadia. Yeah, uh, the entire video game industry changed. Yeah, the entire video <laughs> game industry changed fr- since last episode mm-hmm. of this show. I uh, so Stadia, a uh, uh, sort of streaming service that theoretically you can use anywhere you have a Chrome browser. Google just wants to get you to play, seemingly just Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> it feels like that's the only game they've demoed on it, mm-hmm. and uh, it it could change the way video games work. It does feel like it's been a week. It does feel like the kind of thing that. Microsoft and Sony would both have to address in their next consoles. Mm-hmm. It it feels seismic. Yeah. In the same way that TV changed when Netflix came, this feels like our Netflix moment for video games. Yeah. It's interesting that um, it wasn't that long ago that that PS4 remote play app came out. Do you know about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which also feels like, ma- like a streaming their games to platforms light it's like okay this is just going to your phones and tablets mm-hmm. from a ps4 in your house and it like didn't have dual shock support right but like no there was like a promise or like hints in the patch note that it was going to get it am i making that up maybe uh no 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 maybe you're right i i don't know i don't know i i would to test it i went out and got one of those phone controllers that you mm. just plug into the bu- butt of your phone and then like and it works fine uh-huh. it doesn't work that well it, it's a uh, it like the l3 and r3 don't work oh sure which suddenly you realize like how important those buttons are 
And they shouldn't be. Can we Those talk are about terrible it? buttons. Those are the worst buttons in the history of video games. Do I, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, okay, this is your dedicated run button. You click it in to start running, but I fucking hate that. I Okay, so Resident Evil 2 requires it to yeah. run. I've literally broke my Xbox controller. There's something rattling around in it because I'm constantly pressing it down because that whole game you're running. Yeah, and that's it's a very sensitive button. It's like, it's too... <laughs> Yeah, you're 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 just putting so much stress on that um, analog stick. Yeah, yeah. You know what? L three and R three have gotten <laughs> a pass for too long. <laughs> Someone needs to take them down a peg. I'm so fucking tired of it. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, the emperor wears no clothes. Get right. rid of that button. I don't yeah. want it to be a button. No, there there needs to be. You know what? I like I like those buttons that come on some controllers on like the handles. Oh yeah, those are good. Why don't make those the run buttons? Yeah, yeah. You know what? L three and R three can exist, but they should be the black and white button from the original Xbox. Yes. Like if you want to turn on a flashlight with that, yes. great. It yeah. cannot be <laughs> integral to the gameplay ever again. <laughs> that is so funny that that black and white button. What the fuck did they do? That's a <laughs> what great are you guys question. Talking about? Yeah, that was that was a wild controller. Because that wasn't start, was it? No, I did they. I think they also had start. Maybe not. Maybe that was just start and select. But they, I definitely remember in the original Xbox controller, they were in a position where you couldn't press the Y button without pressing both of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Three button presses at once. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, in that Sega Genesis uh, outlet. Yeah. Like, or um, design of like where we had six buttons in a row, but they, <laughs> they were just like very small at the end. <laughs> Gosh, what a weird, what a weird time. I still want you to get that Duke. That yeah. <laughs> Hyperkin Duke for your Xbox. You're like, I hate that controller. I will. Like, oh, I will. I love it. It's USB. So if it, if it works with my PC, I might get one. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. So Stadia looks really good. I, I'm actually really excited about it. I do have this like weird, like, it's more about the Googleness of it than it mm. is about the, what it is. Like I, I, I'm like, fuck yeah. Let's go. Let's put everything digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get everything in the cloud. Uh, I want to play games through my my web browser. Sure, I want to be able to watch a YouTube video and then be like, "I think I'd like to play this now," and then just <laughs> click right into it. That all sounds great. I guess just everyone needs to do it, mm-hmm. and everyone needs to have their hands in it. Right. Because if it's just Google, I think that's I, that's my dark uh, future fear. Mm-hmm is that one company r- rules everything and decides like what games we play, what games we don't play. True. Yeah. No, the the best case scenario is that Google comes along and it's good enough that it forces Microsoft and, and Sony. Yeah. Not Nintendo. Let's be honest yeah, here. Sure, They're going to sure. ignore it. Right. But like if it pushes everybody forward in the mm. same way that like, again, to use the Netflix analogy, like Netflix came out, it was like, yo, people want to watch TV this way. Mm. And so then NBC had to take note. And it's right. like, I guess we will make This Is Us available on Hulu. Like, yeah. we, we know we can't uh, survive in the old ways. I'm sick of physical media, to be honest with you. I don't ever yeah. want to buy a disc again. Yeah, no, discs are bad. Uh, cartridges are... I, I, I like them less bad, <laughs> but they're still bad. They're still... Uh, like yeah, we don't need them. We don't. Yeah. I don't have the shelf space. I don't have the space anymore. I'm past it. Yeah, and even if I did have the space, I'd want to put art there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but that doesn't mean, like, I don't know. Like, we didn't realize when we were when Netflix was coming around that we were one day gonna just give 
okay, well now only thing the only thing we watch is Netflix now. You know what I mean? Like we didn't realize we were giving our keys to the kingdom to Netflix mm-hmm. at the time. And there is Hulu and there is Amazon and I do use those every so often in HBO. But Netflix is the the number one like go to. So if it it's almost like if it doesn't live on that app, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Which is a kind of a weird a sort of a weird uh reality to live in Mm -hmm. where this app sort of tells you what you're gonna watch right it has a good amount of stuff content on there but when things go off of netflix it's not like you're gonna go out and find the dvd of it if you wanted to watch it you'll just go oh i'll watch something different Mm -hmm. which is like sort of a weird psychological place to be in with your media with things you consume it is kind of a step backwards if you think about it because like tv went through that right yeah it used to be that when firefly was canceled you just couldn't watch firefly anymore Mm -hmm. and that was on the whims of nbc and their like cost benefit analysis people exactly so yeah you're right i wouldn't i would hope that it would not be um google becoming the arbiter of what is and isn't successful. Yeah. But also like, I think it'll be in the same way that Netflix did this. Like all of a sudden now I've got to pay $10 for the WWE app as well. Like it's a different problem. It's like a new problem Mm -hmm. and it's, it was surprising and I didn't realize I was going to have to pay all these subscription fees just to watch like season one (laughs) of the Americans. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. If we do switch to video game streaming, uh, there will be new problems and there will be new, uh, like positives. Mm-hmm. And I tend to be on the side of like, cool, let's try them. Let's see what the new ones are. Let's yeah. see what uh, the new problems are. Because the the idea of playing video games wherever mm-hmm. with just like the controller in my backpack, it's sort of like, I don't know, the fun of the Switch is that you just yeah. have it in your backpack. So if I have my tablet and a Stadia controller in my backpack mm-hmm. too, ooh, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I mean, you're it, it. I'm definitely in. I'm definitely all in. There is just that like, we, there's that nagging voice that appears, it, and it's like, are you ready? Like, mm-hmm. do, you, do you think you're ready to like, no more of this kind of game? It's all. It's gonna be only these kind of games moving forward. Mm-hmm. Like, you think about the implications of a streaming service. Of for games or a Netflix for games, anyway, that brings about so much like game design choices that are going to be different moving mm, forward. Sure. So think about how like mobile games interact with you, mm-hmm. where they have to capture your attention in like the first ten, fifteen seconds because you could just so easily click away from it, right? Mm-hmm. So now suddenly we have games that are being designed around getting your attention very quickly. Uh, keeping your attention for as long as it can, uh, almost in that, what is it, uh, slot machine way? Yeah. Of like, like look over here. Behavioral therapy, like, how do we hack your brain to love us? Exactly. Yeah. And um, and then also with just the delays of streaming content to from a server to a tablet to a <laughs> controller, you will have games that are going to be designed around that. As opposed to more twitchy control. Yeah. Super Meat Boy. I feel like Super Meat Boys of the world will maybe take a step back. The Street well, Fighter Fives of the world. And I think that's what's so interesting about like what the issues will be. Because like nobody's really 
figured out how to do fun mascot platformers like Nintendo. Right. And they still own that niche. So, like, I could almost see uh, maybe Sony just saying, like, listen, you're not going to be able to play God of War on a stream. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to be too powerful, and it's going to be too Twitch-based, and that's going to be our niche. Yeah. Like, that would be an interesting tactic for them to take. Yeah. Um, and then Google can design certain games that way, and we'll play all of our turn-based RPGs <laughs> on stream. And- <laughs> on stream, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every Final Fantasy game will play purely through the internet. <laughs> that's very funny. Uh, that's exciting. Also, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice oh came God. out. Have you have you tried it? I haven't yet. No. Okay. Yeah, it is scratching every itch that I could possibly have. It is my game of the year. I just I can't imagine something else comes out that's gonna take its crown. Yeah. It's just it's everything I want. This is your game. Like, it's, it is. Bloodborne was your favorite game of all time. Bloodborne was my favorite game of all time. It's still there. It still is my favorite game of all time. But I'm only. You know, I'm only like 12 hours into Sekiro or six. I might mm-hmm. even be less than that. Um, so far, it is great. I read an article. Uh, all these articles are coming out about Sekiro that are all like, Sekiro's great. I'm the one who's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it, because it's so incredibly punishing, right? Uh-huh. There's this mechanic. I don't know if you've heard about this in Sekiro, but there's this die this death mechanic where if you die in the game so soulsborne games are all about dying you just die 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 constantly constantly um and that's part of the you you might say that that is part of the mechanic of the game is death and learning from your death and retracing your steps back to where you were because and like getting a lay of the land that way and Mm -hmm. like memorizing areas because you don't want to suddenly die again like you you now know that oh there's a person hiding behind this Mm -hmm. wall like i need to go another route because i can't face them yet i'm too weak now, there is a death mechanic in Sekiro, though, that punishes you for dying over and over again. Mm. So you get to your your bonfire, which is now, there are now like Buddha statues that you sure. find throughout the world. Because they're ninjas now. They're ninjas now. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's a shinobi now. <laughs> and you light it, and then you go face your enemy, and then you die, and okay, I... I die to that boss and I, I get back in my buddha statue i run all the way up through the bamboo forest and like find the the weird like uh samurai on a horse and i die again i die again and then suddenly it's like like the person that is sort of your your the woman who's helping you through the story of the game is like oh hey you you died a lot and now everyone in the world is sick <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're starting to cough and show like all these symptoms and like, I need you to collect like blood from me from these people so I can help make like a cure. So the deal is like you can, because you are dying and reviving yourself as part of like the story, like every time you die, that is in canon to your story. Good. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Destiny does that too. I, I, oh, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. A game that says, like, the thing you're doing the most is yeah. part of it. It's not just, like, forget it. Ignore the non-canon thing that happened. Yeah, ignore that Kratos fell off a mountain just right. now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then he's like, huh, I'm, uh, never Can mind. Can you imagine yeah. a movie yeah. where <laughs> just fucking Tom Cruise is, like, chasing after his secret <laughs> agent target? He just 
fucks up and explodes and then it just goes back and we do it again. Yeah, I actually can. It's like live, die, repeat. Isn't mm. that that movie? Where, actually, yeah, it is. That yeah. is a Tom Cruise movie. It is a Tom Cruise movie where he literally dies and comes back to life. Uh, this is this is like that, but I guess because whatever you're using in your blood to revive yourself, that is hurting the rest of the people's blood. Like they are, <laughs> they already have like the dormant disease in them, and they start to like get really sick when you die over and over. So you have to like find a cure, and then okay, now all of a sudden the world is healed. Like she like heals everyone through this cure, but then if you keep dying. Mm. You need to like okay. You need to like find another cure and like so keep. How does that change the gameplay? Like you are going out at like in the same way you would find like feathers in Assassin's Creed. Like the these cures are like hidden in the world, and you have to like explore more to find it. Yes, there's like a limited amount of them, Ooh. so they're not they're not like plentiful. I've only found one so far. Uh, I could buy another one at a store, but I think it was just one. And um, the way that it the way that it hurts your game is if you keep dying and you just don't cure this. It's called dragon rot is the name of the disease. <laughs> oh, no. If you don't cure your friends with from dragon rot, uh, you will lose side quests. Oh, you won't be able to do stuff. So you have to cure these people. That's pretty cool. And there's also this thing called unseen aid, which is kind of like it's kind of like a. When you die and you resurrect, sometimes it's like a, I'm guessing there's an algorithm to it, like a uh, dice roll. Mm -hmm. You will get something called unseen aid, meaning in this run, you you don't lose your experience or your money if you, if you die. Mm. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a a bold run or something. You can like be more bold in this Mm -hmm. run because when you die, you lose like X amount of experience and X amount of, uh, oh, I need to disconnect my phone from my uh-huh. computer. That's wild. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you um, if you die, you like, uh, yeah, you'll lose like your money and shit. But it makes it makes playing the game so much more stressful than another mm-hmm. than any other Dark Souls game or Bloodborne game because I'm not a completionist, but I do want to see side missions and stuff, right. and I also do not want everyone in the world to be sick if I can help it. So like it. It makes me not want to die as much or not want to, I guess, experiment as much, mm-hmm. which I actually think is like a negative of the game. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm kind of counting that in the cons column of this game so mm-hmm. far. And like, just let me die. Just let me die over and over. Let me keep jumping off of this thing, trying to make this jump if I want to make yeah. it. Or or let me face, let me try to ma- face this boss way early, mm-hmm. underpowered, just to see if I can like spam him in a way to right. like get past him. Because that's sort of the fun of these games is accessing places you shouldn't be way too early Mm -hmm. or like finding little little secret coves um but i again i'm only six hours in so i need to see what this mechanic is like 20 hours in Mm -hmm. like if if it really becomes a problem or if it there's some there's somehow a backdoor positive to this yeah you know what i mean like maybe when they get really sick they give you better side quests (laughs) or maybe it's not maybe it's not as hard to cure them as as I thought, or maybe mm. they don't get sick as fast as I thought, because yeah. I, I will say I, I cured them all once. And then I probably had died 20 times before the next person got sick and they get sick sort of one after the other. Like, it's not like they all get sick. It's oh, like, it's like okay. you'll hear, you'll get a message. This person just fell to the illness. 
And then you're like, That's like how we get emails when our friends are sick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ari Grab fell to sickness is like the e- email subject line. Canceled improv practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I will say that so far, um, I, I was loving I was loving going through this game, but it was there's some weird shit in this game. I, I'm gonna do a whole episode on this on this game very soon, but it is like here's here's something that's weird about it. You're you, and you're like a man. And I ran into a, an NPC who's also like a man, but just way bigger. <sighs> this would this game, by the way, is your nightmare. This game is all about giganticism. Oh no, dude! There's a giant snake in this game that is that is kicks the God of War snake's ass. <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff going on in this game. It, it, it has to do with proportions. Like I realized that as a my character was talking to this other character, the other character's face was just huge. It was just like like never ending story size huge. Like just really big. Like but not but he wasn't a he. I wouldn't call him a giant necessarily. Cause he was like sitting down. It was it was just, it was very weird. It'd be like if you looked at me, but my face was as big as like this whole rack. That's so terrifying. It w- it was. There was something kind of scary about it because yeah. I think the two characters were related. <laughs> I think they were family, and and but the other guy's head was just really big. And then like you'll run into, like I was I was exploring an, an area, and I, I to be fair, the game did warn me. I I I found a sign that said like turn back right now nothing but like terrible things are coming this way like this person will destroy you and i just followed the path down and i went into a cave and as soon as i got in there everything got really black around me and i was walking along an edge and and uh and i just left the cave like i just got went walked through the cave and i was like what the hell was that so i like went back in and I didn't realize there was like a ledge I could fall off. And when I looked down there, there was like, there, you could just see a little man at the bottom of this like cave, at the very bottom of this, of this high well. And so I jumped down there. And when I finally, it was so far down that when I got down there, he's huge. No. And it's all black. Like the whole area is black. And there's just ghosts shot up out of the ground. <laughs> and he's headless. And he has the biggest sword you've ever seen. And, uh, he was like a true monster and I hadn't seen a monster yet. So I was like, Oh, this is, there's, there's legit monsters in this game. His name was like Horace the headless or something. <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, he was just this headless monster. And there was, and I, I hit him once and it did nothing. <laughs> and then he just demolished me. So I'm not ready for him yet, uh-huh. but it's, it's really cool in those games when you find something on accident, you shouldn't be there. Right. And the game was do this on purpose. They're like, they're like open little areas. Like, hey, just go down there, see what see what's down there. And uh-huh. then, and then you go down there, and you're like, oh man, like it was like a total troll move. But it, it shows you like you're not as you're not powerful yet, but you will be. Mm. Um, and yeah, I I guess uh, I'll I'll go way more in depth on on Sekiro. Um, probably I don't know, maybe next, maybe next, maybe next episode, maybe the episode after that. But uh, yeah, you've got to. It sounds great. That yeah. sounds so fun and scary. Like I love a gameplay story mix in. I love yeah. like the idea that like your actions in game are affecting the story, and that's exactly what that sickness dynamic sounds like. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that stuff's great. Um, and just 
Yeah, and and mixing that with like the combat of Sekiro, and then also the ability in these games that already feel so tight to now be able to navigate them and traverse them vertically with your grappling hook. Oh yeah, I'm flying around like Spider Man in a game that feels as tight as Street Fighter or something. Hmm. It, it's it's weird because even in Spider Man, you know, you're like, it doesn't like like. It's not as tight as it's not as tight as it could possibly be. Yeah. These games only made tight. Uh, these that developer only made tight video games until now. It, it has made vertical jumping games. So it's like, oh, the thing that comes first is the thing that feels good. The thing that comes second is now like the traversing it vertically. Cool. So it's already it. It was like art. The bones of it were already good enough to sustain that, as mm-hmm. opposed to kind of making them in tandem. Yeah. But that's going to do it for the news. Because <clears throat> we got to get to you, my man. Uh, Michael McCaller, uh, best friend of the show. Uh-huh. I would say I would say the show's, the show's ultimate friend. Uh, I, we are roommates, full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we kind of met through doing comedy and improvisation and sketch. Yeah. But we bonded over uh, heartbreaking video games, uh-huh. I think, the most. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of this guy. Very talented all around. Also an artist. Yeah, yeah. Um, just rediscovering it actually. Mm-hmm. I was a writer for many many years, and now just in the past couple of weeks, I'm like getting my drawing back. Yeah, and you've been doing a great job. You've been posting a lot of stuff, which is very brave of you. Uh-huh. Um, I don't I don't draw myself, but I imagine that would be a huge hurdle I'd have to overcome. Is the mm-hmm. is, is even if I was good at it, being brave enough to like show the world. Yeah. Um, it'd be like posting a sketch online, I guess is my <laughs> only thing. Uh, but yeah, I guess I just kind of wanted to, uh, uh, not just for myself, but for the listeners sort of just like walk through how you got to where you are right now. Yeah. Um, so kind of let's start at the, uh, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it just one time. Uh, so yeah, like, uh, what, like when did you discover video games? I remember getting an NES for Christmas, but like late, like 1991, Mm. and not understanding it. Like my parents were more excited than I was. And we set it up, and I remember my mom playing Super Mario Brothers a lot. And I could get my head around Duck Hunt. Mario Brothers felt like too much. (laughs) And I was only, I guess I was like four or five. Yeah. You'd have been young. Yeah. Yeah. And so we had this NES, and 92, I think, was when Super Nintendo came out. And my next-door neighbors, who had two daughters, both my and my sister's age, um, they got a Super Nintendo, like, the day it came out. Ooh. And so that... I hate the NES. (laughs) Like, because of that dynamic, I... um, we had it the NES. We had a ton of games. For the NES? Yeah. Oof. We bought so many of them. Mm-hmm. And I remember like getting Mario Brothers 3, which is, by all accounts, a beautiful game. Yeah. I got it after Mario World was out, and I was just like, fuck this. And I hate <laughs> I hate it to this day. Like I can't play it. I've tried so many times. That's so funny. And so yeah. If there is if there's a game that is more friends with each other, it would be Mario 3 and Super Mario I know. World. Yeah. It's it, it's unfortunate yeah <laughs> like i just i look at it and it's just like it was like right you know how i, I often think about like 
how music sort of works this way. Like music will never be as good as the music you loved when you were 12 to 16. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that's perfect ages. Yeah. I think it was younger for me with video games. Like that sweet spot was when I experienced Mario World mm -hmm. and probably Donkey Kong Country caught the tail end of that, too. Like those kinds of games where there were secrets and there were colors and there were mm. uh, like a sense of security. Sure. Even hearing you talk about Sekiro now a little bit, like there's a security in like, let me die. Yeah. Like I know no matter what happens, I can die over and over. Right. There is this feeling of security in Mario world when you've got a Yosh, you've got a cape and yeah. you got a feather in your box. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just like, okay, I'm set. I'm good. And worst case scenario, I can make the long trek back to top secret world and get those things back. Absolutely. Yeah. If I got my donkey Kong behind me, I am, <laughs> okay like i am set <laughs> yeah whereas the opposite of that would be like you're small mario you have two lives left yeah. and you're not and you're at uh, early stage you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. where you're like oh, i'm gonna get a game over I you always know. have a yoshi too yeah. like I, I feel like i if i die in a castle <laughs> i have this stupid yoshi yeah. <laughs> small mario on a yoshi just <sighs> disgusts me yeah <laughs> that's so funny and so true <laughs> So yeah, the NES That is so interesting. So like you just you just rejected that. the old you. Yeah. Yeah. You turned your back on Bruce Wayne and, <laughs> and went full dark night with It was it was almost like how Bruce Wayne hates the posh version of his life. Like he knew right away what his life was. He knew that there was better out there. There mm -hmm. was crime that had to be stopped. Mm -hmm. There was Super Nintendo across the street. And so, yeah, like, I remember playing so much NES and yeah. just, like, never, <laughs> never feeling joy. Have you ever gone back to those games and tried them? Yeah. Every I've, time. And it's just, like, they don't resonate with me. That's Even, like, crazy. Um, Bloodstain, mm -hmm. which just came out now, is just NES Castlevania, but, yeah. like, updated and looks good and feels better. And it's just, like, I can't do it. Like, that aesthetic. Shovel Knight. I should love Shovel Knight. Right. And it's just, it doesn't resonate with me. I wonder if it has just something, because you do, I notice you do like, like, Owl Boy and um, Iconoclast and games mm. that are like, those are 16-bit exactly. era games. I wonder if it's just that aesthetic. It like, is. It, and, and, I, and I remember, like, feeling similarly where 8-bit eight eight aesthetic really grossed me out. And it felt like, it felt like these games are... I equated them with like not being fair, not working the way I want them right. to. I couldn't, I could never jump right or like the game would mess up. I also like the NES. I have so much tra trauma with that console and that like the games you'd put them in and they just wouldn't work. Right. You have to like blow in them, which is like that like cliche, like blow in the cartridge type of thing. But I just remember like maybe just had, I had crappy NESs that just uh -huh. didn't work. But like that was like every NES I, I came into contact with right. it, it, it just, like I'm like I'm trying to play Mega Man 3 and it just will not load up <laughs> uh, did you ever so have those like alcohol swabs to clean yeah <laughs> like, I have those now <laughs> yeah I clean my controllers with those oh. uh the other th the the thing that I'm just now connecting is probably why it never resonated with me is NES games or maybe I just didn't play them I can't think of any NES games that have a lot of exploration oh yeah like this idea of finding a secret exit in Mario World and an opening new levels, like, not only is there exploration, but there's, like, tangible gameplay rewards. Yeah. Because, like, Mario 3 had some hidden exits, right? But it was always to, like, get a power-up or get a life. Which yeah. Which never felt 
rewardy enough. Mario 3 really feels like them experimenting with where they will end up going yeah. in Mario World. But those two games were developed sort of at the same time. Oh, sure. So, like, Mario 3... The thing is, is the NES just had a philosophy about exploration where it rewarded exploration, but it was very... Um, gosh, what's the word? Like, it, it, it was very... Uh, not intuitive at all. Like mm-hmm. they, things were hidden in a way that you had to read Nintendo Power. Yeah, I mean, The Legend of Zelda One is on the NES. That is like exploration. The game, yes. all it is, is exploration. But it's so unintuitive and uh, Rubik's cubey. <laughs> There's no real way to like. I just played through The Legend of Zelda all the way through, like in two days last mm-hmm. week, and I'm looking up guides and I'm just like, fuck this. Like every <laughs> time I, every time I read like. No, you're supposed to bomb the corner of the screen and then glitch through the... And, like, that's how you get to level nine. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, that's crazy. But I think it was just the philosophy of game design at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mario World has a lot of secrets in it, too. But I I will admit that, like, as a child, I did not... I did not find a lot of secret stuff in Mario World. It's crazy that I missed... I didn't get into Zelda or Metroid until like late high school, college. I think Metroid's also very exploratory. Metroid yeah. would have been it. Like the the feeling that anything can happen is important to me throughout video games, TV shows, movies. Oh, like I need I need to feel that any that crazy things can happen. Yeah. And I n- never got that sense from the NES any NES game I played. Yeah. Even thinking about Shovel Knight, it's like that is left to right and you will reach the end. Right. As opposed to Mario World where you'll be running and all of a sudden there's a three-up moon and <laughs> you can jump <laughs> under a goalpost or something. Yeah. Like like this idea that like yeah. craziness is possible. Like yeah. I need that in everything. Which is, which is just so funny that like in Mario 3 there is that like secret where if you just if you push down on the white platform mm-hmm. you'll go behind the level and then like behind the actual yeah which to me feels like that kind of thing it is that kind of thing um but i think mario world is a toxic game for me just yeah. in that like i understand it's great and it's yeah. everything i want in a video game yeah yeah and yeah. i just like the moment i start playing i'm like the colors feel bad yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no i I, t- I totally hear that um that is that is but that is really interesting i Plus, the 16-bit era just had, like, I mean, it's when we, it's when like the 2D era just kind of exploded in the right, in the right way, where we we did a lot of it on the NES, but then like, oh, now we have the graphical capability to do a lot more, Mm -hmm. and we can do a lot more with story. Like, Link to the Past is like, just there are there are tons of secrets in that game, but you you can actually do them Mm -hmm. because the translation isn't crazy and obtuse. You know what I mean? Like you talk to an NPC in town and they give you a clue as to like where to go in the river to find the weird guy that lives under the bridge. Mm -hmm. So you can get another jar. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's fun. So you had an SNES. Mm -hmm. What games were you, did you have on SNES? When I, so I eventually got an SNES. How late did you get it? I feel like, I was always one console generation behind. A lot of people so feel that way. I yeah. got it um, like right when the N64 was happening. Oh, like okay. not maybe I like it maybe a year before it was out. Like we knew it was coming. 
Yeah. And I got and a you, used one from GameStop. That's so interesting. And and you were and you were down. You were like, this is great. Kind of, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. I feel like I had enough games like in the backlog that um, the ones I owned and really, really played were, of course, Mario World. Mm-hmm. Um, I played so much Super Mario RPG. Oh, wow. Like, that game is the only RPG I've ever really loved. That's great. Ah, uh, KOTOR. I forgot about KOTOR. Oh, KOTOR. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those two games are the only... Like, RPGs were another one that just, like, never came across my desk. Well, I just if, if you played any on the NES, you were probably just so upset oh, yeah. the whole time. You know what I did play on NES that I just <clears throat> remembered when Retronauts did an episode about it? What? Princess Tomato and the Salad Kingdom. Do you know about this game? <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's the most insane game anyone's ever made. You were, uh, it was very Japanese. You played, uh, it was like a text game. Mm -hmm. It was like one image and then you had like words on the side. It was like run, attack, search, like search and look. (laughs) They were, it was all obtuse and you had to like click the right options. It was like a text adventure and all the characters were vegetables (laughs) and it was too hard for me as a child and I still think about it and I'm horrified. And it's like, if I wonder if my parents had got me Final Fantasy instead of Princess Tomato and the Salad Kingdom, like what my life would be. I don't think it would be much different, honestly, (laughs) because I I tried to play Final Fantasy one on the NES Classic when that came out, and that game sucks. Like it, (laughs) I mean, like people love it, and they did do updates to it in like later iterations where they were like the the GBA versions way more easy apparently, Mm -hmm. and they and they actually did the math right on like how the enemies work. But like you leave the castle and you just fucking get crushed immediately. (laughs) Like it is not fun to play. Uh, Dragon Warrior is probably a little bit better, but like, man, RPGs really took off on that 16-bit era. Like, mm-hmm. the best RPGs I think ever made are probably in that generation. Hmm. Maybe the Sony PlayStation One generation shares that with them. Yeah, but NES is not known for NES did platformers and like arcadey style games yeah. the best, and that's I think that's also why I, do, I respond less to them. Is like. I don't care about balloon fight that much. Like that's mm. fun for like one second with me and my buds, but I do care a lot, but I didn't have like a ton of friends. Well, I did. I had a ton of friends, but I didn't have like, you're playing most of your games from like 6 PM to 8 PM before bedtime when yeah. your friends aren't over. So, you know, I think that's why like super Mario Kart, like I loved it, but boy, did I like super Mario world and, uh, yeah. you know, tiny tunes, buster bust loose like <laughs> way more. Yeah. Uh, there was a Simpsons game on Super Nintendo that I remember. Oh, do you remember liking it? I do. Ooh, what game? Bart's Nightmare. Bart's Nightmare. <laughs> I would be hard pressed to tell you a single detail from that game, Dude. but I think those were my first two: was Mario World and Bart's Nightmare. That's so awesome. I'm I'm glad you have a good memory of it. That's like that's like those games were beautiful. Though like, yeah. all of those licensed like Nickelodeon um, or just cartoon games were beautiful and so fucking terrible yeah like the ren and stimpy game is awful uh the rocco's modern life game is famously terrible can we talk uh the counter argument though uh disney's aladdin is the is like one of the best but i think i think the one on the snes is actually i might be getting this wrong but is that also pretty bad i thought it was the genesis one that people love i suspect it's whichever one you played i only played the super nintendo one yeah and love it love it great it's okay. the one game that i would put on the snes classic if possible that's awesome yeah yeah uh that's uh 
Yeah, Lion King, however, terrible. Oh boy. Yeah, that, that game was hard. I tried to play that the other day, and it was fucking just Oof. brutal. So you're playing your SNES, and but you're a generation behind. Now I gotta know about this because mm-hmm. I was only ever a generation behind for like a couple months. Like I and, mm. and I remember it like it ruining my life. Like knowing there was a Mario sixty four out there, and that I didn't have it. Uh huh. But and but and and I and I would end up getting it. But I but to be fair, those are the only things I ever wanted and never asked for for yeah, Christmas. So that, it was like the only things I ever got. Christmas is video games in my head. It was just video games. But uh, so how did you deal with not having Mario? Like how long would it be before you got an N sixty four? I would say, in my head, it was ten years. <laughs> it feels so long and so late. Oh my god. Oh no. Oh my God! We can't we can't fix it now. All we can do is hope no one calls me, <laughs> and I can just keep declining. Uh, it maybe was like it came out in like September or something, right? It came right. out right before Christmas. I might have gotten it the second Christmas. Oh, okay. So like ninety seven or yeah. something, Christmas ninety seven, something like that. That sounds right because I yeah. don't think there were a ton of games out yet. Like I remember getting it and still just getting Mario 64 and that was all I had. And, and that was all that was around. Needed. And, and like, like, what was out in the first year of the N64? I mean, Star in the first Wars? year, yeah, you had Shadows of the Empire. I think you had Wave Race, you had Pilot Wings, Mario uh, 64. And then I, I'm sure you had like a few like, I mean, Quest 64 was probably out. <laughs> that game's trash. You probably had like Clay Fighter 63. You know what? I got it. The year before, like the Christmas before Banjo-Kazooie came out. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it must have been 97. Yeah. I think that was like summer of 98. Yeah. Because once you, because once you get to 98, 99, you're, we're getting close to, that's the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird because. Well, that's the explosion. That's when the, the golden eyes happen. And the, I guess Mario Kart must have been out by then. Oh yeah. I don't know that I ever had that. Mario Kart might've been the first year. Uh, uh, Ocarina of Time is a is a seminal moment, and I think that's ninety seven or ninety eight. Well, okay, here's okay, here's the one memory that will tell us complete. Yeah, because it might have been much later that I got my N sixty four. Do we know when Diddy Kong Racing? Came out? <laughs> Let's look that up right now. I remember thinking, uh, going to some sort of wishing well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's great. November 97. Oh. Is when Diddy Kong Racing 64 came out. I must have... I guess I got it that Christmas then. Yeah. You might have. Oh, because it it must have been brand new. Because I remember going and dropping a quarter into a wishing well (laughs) and wishing so hard for Nintendo 64, an extra red controller, (laughs) and Diddy Kong Racing. (laughs) And wanting it so bad yeah and having dreams about it that is so and then awesome maybe a year later when that all came true when i had those things yeah and just being like wow it happened it came true yeah <laughs> like having that moment that's where... so great it's also so funny can you can you imagine being so excited for a racing game today that's so funny well do you know why that was a game that was pitched as it's a racing game, but anything can happen. Oh, like yeah. you can find hidden areas and there were golden balloons tucked away in corners. And it's low key, probably the best adventure racer. Yeah. I think that there, I love the idea of an adventure racer. Yeah. So Mario Kart. Yeah. That came out, uh, Christmas 96, which, uh, super Mario 64 came out. 
uh, June 96. Mm -hmm. So 96, you had like, you had like a good amount of stuff come out. You know what? I'm doing another reverse memory thing. I don't think I played a ton of Mario RPG until way later. Because yeah. I remember being confused by those two games, <laughs> like that in Mario sixty four. I was like, "Oh yeah, three D polyg- uh, polygonal Mario." Right. It's in one game where he's friends with Bowser, and another mm-hmm. game where he's back to fighting him. Yeah. What's the story? I here? was confused about the yeah. canon. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. So that would have been like a whole year. You're kind of aware of like you're going into targets. You're seeing that there's like this mm-hmm. these three D polygonal house. games. Yeah. The so, friends who had. Nintendo 64 right away. Yeah. We became closer. Oh, I bet. I wanted to get over there. Did, uh, now during this time, did anything else other than Nintendo, was that even in your periphery? Like, did you play any Sega Genesis? Did you, were you interested in a Sega Saturn or a PlayStation at the time? I was not. Yeah. Sega did you, just were you never, aware of them? I was. Yeah. I had a friend who had a Sega Genesis. We played a lot of Mortal Kombat. He was, um, somebody who was getting, he was, the friend who had um, like the cutting edge when there wasn't anything to be cutting edge, like he would get the Sega 32X the day it came out and the <laughs> Sega CD. Like Sega had yeah. all these weird add-ons yes. that we could get and try and then just go back to playing Mortal Kombat. Yes. Uh, we only liked Mortal Kombat, I yeah. think, was what was going on. Yeah. And it's very good. <laughs> it was very fun. Yeah. That was another game that like, that's the Blink-182 of video games. And yes. that like, they're not good, but if they hit you at the right age, oh, yeah. they're there for you. I started forever. playing Mortal Kombat 9 or whatever it was that came out on like the Xbox 360 PS3 generation. Because mm-hmm. it's on PS now, I can just like stream it. So I, I was playing it. I'm like, and it's like, oh, yeah. That's why everyone liked this game. Yeah. It's so fun. It's so good. Well, it has a cool, like... It, uh, the coolest mythology <laughs> for yeah. boys figuring out what their dicks are for. <laughs> yeah. like it's, all of the w- women have all the boobs and they're all they multiple arms. There's m- monsters. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Multiple arms yeah. can shape shift fireball. Like yeah. it was a good, that's like a good roster. I'm actually kind of just realizing how influential it was. Like you need to have the Hollywood type. You need to have the super tall muscle man. Like yeah. you need to have all of these different, uh, characters together to make and a good need, ensemble, and you need to have a couple monsters. Like that—that oh, yeah. that was a big thing with like Blanca. It's like it's like every fighting game needed to have like one, hit, like one like weird monster. Yeah. What was that game? <laughs> was it Brute Force? It was on like the original Xbox. Yeah, and it was maybe. like two two white men, a white lady, and a lizard man. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Uh, I do remember that. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's like a, it's a formula. Yeah. It works. It, it works. <laughs> you need the mascot. You need the mascot. Okay, great. So, uh, we are, uh, we're in the late nineties now. You have an N64. You're jamming out Mario 64. I'm guessing that's when you started that, that cause th- something I know about you is that you're sort of obsessed with this game, Mario mm-hmm. 64. You want to talk about a game where anything can happen. Like yeah. that game is you're running around and wall kicking and all of a sudden there's a star over the rolling rocks. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game was huge. Um, I guess that was when... Um, I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast before, but when Resident Evil kind of came into my life, mm-hmm. I had um, another friend who... Uh, I lived across the street from his mom, but his parents were split up, and his dad owned his own like used video game store. Yes. It's called Video Game Network. Wow. And, uh, and... What year was this? This was... 1998 okay 
Great. Because the first time we were going over there, his dad was <coughs> driving us over and he asked, like, what game do you guys want to play? Like, they're all used games. We're go- we were literally going to the store to have a sleepover. Yeah. We're having a sleepover in a used game oh, store. That's so good. We had a bunch of TVs and his dad and his friends, like, lived out of the back room. Oh, so they great. were back there playing video games also. Yeah. Which made it feel like we were kind of, like, entering into adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> And, it's uh, so funny because you so weren't. No, <laughs> they were entering into childhood. They yeah. were moving backwards. They were moving, but backwards. we felt like yeah. we were moving forwards. Yeah. And uh, he asked us what game we wanted to play, and I had seen a commercial for Resident Evil Two, like not knowing even what it was, but I just remember there's this iconic, like the red hand monster hand bursting through the roof of a train, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "What's that game?" And he was like, "Oh, that's Resident Evil Two. That's the one game you guys can't play." Not because it's brutal and violent, but because I'm playing that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's he was like, so awesome. sorry. That yeah. one's a- so even that felt like the world of a- Resident Evil is what adults are playing. Yeah. Resident Evil is this mountain to climb. So he stuck us with Resident Evil 1, which we loved <laughs> yeah. also. Um, but yeah, that like that's why I know no game will ever top Resident Evil 2 for me because that feeling was so unique and special. Like... It was simultaneously the feeling of... Because I remember we went on like a Friday night and weren't going home till Sunday. Yeah. So we basically had two days straight in a video game store, anything we could want. And we were also like entering into adulthood. Yeah. With, uh, by way of Resident Evil, but oh, yeah. also because like he's like his dad didn't give a shit. He was just like, yeah, order pizzas, fucking making egg sandwiches in the morning. It was just yep. like this super, it was the funnest weekend possible. Yeah. It's still like going to Jake's dad's house is still like <laughs> when I meditate. Like, yeah. That's my You're go-to like, place. Uh, that's so great. So when, so uh, when did, I guess you start formulating other real palpable interests and stuff. So I guess would it, uh, it went to start really. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. But I mean like, just like well, drawing and art, like I assumed at some point you wanted, you got interested in like wanting to, what was it? Oh, was it cartoon or were you trying to do comic books or like, cause you ended up going to art school. I did. Yeah. I, as long as I can remember, I was drawing. Yeah. Um, I remember my grandpa drew a lot. Um, my grandpa who I was very close with, he um, <laughs> he one time sent me, he and my grandma would go to Texas for the winter. We were in Minnesota. They couldn't handle the Minnesota winter, so go to <laughs> yeah. Texas. But he sent me um, a bunch of drawings and stuff. Like, he would send me letters. But I remember one he sent was this long fold-out. Like, I was young enough that I was, like, very into Sesame Street. Oh, so cool. it was, like, a yeah. baby. Like, yeah. I-, I remember this from s- still having it today, like, yeah. and looking at it later. But it was this long fold-out drawing of, like, a school bus mm-hmm. from the side. And so it was, like, each time I unfolded, it was another character in the window. <laughs> oh, great. And then the last spot was um, this little, like like open up the window to see who's inside and it was like a folded up sheet and I opened it up and it was a picture of grandpa and grandma. He's like, grandpa and grandma are here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, he would draw this stuff and send it to me. So I just remember trying to be like him and drawing. Yeah. So it was very much like a 10,000 hours I started putting in when I was three or four. Sure. Um, and so all throughout elementary school, like drawing was a thing I knew I could do and do well. And it was where my self-esteem came from. Mm-hmm. And it was where like, I was like, this makes me special. This yeah. is what people, can, I can show people I am valuable as a yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. They can't argue it. <laughs> my currency is all in this Batman. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. 
I remember being asked, like I went to Catholic school and being asked for like a priest's birthday, like the head priest, like, can I draw a picture of him? Uh And then they took, like, I drew it on just like a eight and a half by 11. And then they put it up on a projector and they were like, you've done enough. Like we'll have somebody else like trace it for you and they'll have it. And it was like, (laughs) I'm still angry about this. (laughs) (laughs) When you draw eyes, like the eyeball touches the eyelids and everything. Mm -hmm. But like, if you know how to position it correctly, it still looks like they're looking straight forward. Right. And fucking Danny Hoxter was the kid tracing my drawing and he drew it like he just didn't know the subtleties of how to draw eyes. Right. So it looked like the priest was like looking up and to the <laughs> right. <laughs> like this weird, creepy, like yeah. imp. <laughs> like he was like he was a scoundrel. Yeah. Priest. Yeah. Uh, so it was like it was cool that they asked me to do that. Yeah. And so like I had so many positive feelings for that. And then I was doing comics mm-hmm. very early in like sixth and seventh grade. I remember doing a comic strip where I cast everybody in my class as animals mm-hmm. and uh, me and my two best friends were the main characters. And it was just like doing fun bits. I don't yeah. know if I ever actually finished a comic, but like drawing comics was very much my like, form of expression so you were in were you reading comics not really okay um it wasn't until like in high school and i found web comics Mm. and that was another big like yeah wild west moment like they're doing whatever they want penny arcade was fucking like crazy huge like they were not only talking about video games in a way that like i always thought like syndicated newspaper comics like you couldn't talk about video games there like and they would be playing like generic like atari home console (laughs) (laughs) games like the guys in penny arcade were just holding gamecube controllers yeah playing gamecube and that Mm -hmm. was huge um but like this feeling that you can draw whatever you want and put it up and people will find it was like very exciting to me so i was doing web comics still like with my friends as the main characters and eventually like creating my own characters yeah and so i produced hundreds of pages of comics that were all on the internet and now are gone. <laughs> no sure, where they sure. went. Yeah. They, they're, yeah, they live in geo cities prison yeah. or something. If yeah. I really like hunted them down in the way back machine, I would do that. Mm-hmm. But then that's why, um, the specific art school I went to the Minneapolis college of art and design was so appealing. They had a comic art program. Mm-hmm. And so I went and right away they were like, here's how to draw anatomy and all of the, even the comic classes were about like drawing superheroes. And I was like, when are we going to talk about writing them? Yeah. And so that was when I was like, Oh, I would love to just like the fun part is writing the scripts. And then I just thought you had to do the work then of drawing comics. Right. And so I would just like buckle down and do it, but not really love it. Right. And that was kind of the indication. Like I should have gone into film at that point and right. gotten some screenwriting for sure. Done. Yeah. But instead I switched to illustration, which is just easy comics. Gotcha. One big drawing instead of nine little drawings. So to this day, do you feel like you more like, do you, are you, do you more enjoy the writing aspect or the drawing aspect? Writing for sure. Writing for sure. And even now, like as I'm kind of focusing on the drawing part, I'm realizing the part that I really am good at and that I care about is the storytelling in the drawing. Mm-hmm. Like figuring out details to add to a character that tell the story of who this character is. Yeah. As opposed to, like I do kind of start to shut down when I have to figure out the bone structure of 
the, the yeah. alien supervillain. Sure, I'm yeah. <laughs> it's like, that sucks. But then, like, <laughs> realizing, like, oh, if this character, um, I, it, like, is into collecting. I have a one character who... Um, is always worried she's going to run into a puzzle, like mm-hmm. like a Resident Evil. So she like collects everything. And right. it's like, oh, she should just have pockets everywhere. And now she has like a backpack on and also like a side satchel just so she has infinite space yes. to carry all of her stuff. And that's video gaming coming right into it the really is. world. Yeah. So when you're in college, I guess you're, what are you playing at this point? Because this was a time when I actually uh, went away from video games. I was mm. way more interested in like, I guess just like drinking and social stuff and mm-hmm. and girls. I remember like once I started having girlfriends, that took up like so much of my mental energy. Suddenly I wasn't dreaming about the plot to Resident Evil 3. Like what is that? Because <laughs> I never played that game growing up. But it was like now I'm thinking about Megan Duran, like my first girlfriend. So like what what were you were you playing games during college or I you- was. Yeah, my college group um, my like first year of college, I like fell into a group of people who loved video games mm-hmm. even more than I did. I was kind of getting out of a phase like that. I remember going through that, what was that, early PlayStation 2 <coughs> era? Mm-hmm. Like, that was like, eh. Th- that's when yeah. video games, like, I remember having a conversation with Which my Which that would have been high school for you, right? Early yeah. PS2 era, yeah. I remember talking to a cousin of mine and just being like, I don't know, I just don't care about like... So the graphics are better. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) But like my, yeah, my group in the first year of college were even more into video games than I was Mm. and kind of fell into that. Yeah. Um, We would like have uh, speed running competitions. We had what we called uh, Super Mario World War. (laughs) Where we just had two TVs with two Super Nintendos and we just raced to the oh, end. Oh, that's great. Of, Super uh, Mario World? Super Mario World. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah, we, we got into video games like a kind of. Uh, it's actually, that's how uh, I, we realized we hated one of our friends. Oh. He wow. was, like, we would all kind of, like, one person would play video games, we'd all sort of watch, mm-hmm. and that was just sort of our hangout. Yeah. But one dude in our group. Uh, who was also already weird. Uh, he, he, he ate... <laughs> I never would have thought about this guy ever yeah. again, probably. Uh-huh. He, instead of cereal, this wasn't like in place of cereal, but like he would pour a bowl of che- uh, Cheez-Its and then put barbecue sauce on it like it were the milk. <laughs> but he would play Zelda games and would compulsively... That sucks. I'm sorry. That Cheez-Its thing sucks. It's horrible. <laughs> He would play Zelda games and compulsively cut every piece of grass, like Link to the Past, like go through and cut every piece of grass, even though like we're like, you got the rupees. Like, yeah. Even when he would come back and they would like respawn, he would cut everything. And we were like, listen, I know kind of our group thing is one person plays video games. We all kind of hang out and watch. You can't do this anymore. You have to stop. (laughs) That is so crazy. This is college. That's so crazy. Yeah. Wow. Did he just not know that? Yeah. There were a lot, I mean, in the state, like the kind of guy who eats Cheez-Its and barbecue sauce, like his parents weren't ever telling him no. Yeah. (laughs) And so he just like did his thing and was very uh, down that path. That is so funny. I remember when Twilight Princess came out, Uh um, I played it. We had like two apartments. Me and uh, some friends were roommates in one apartment. And then upstairs, our other half of our group lived, the the girls of the group. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so me and another dude in the group 
both got it on the same day and we're just like upstairs and downstairs yeah. playing it by ourselves but then uh, like coming together to check in yeah <laughs> see how we were doing yeah did you get to the creepy uh snow cabin <laughs> with the weird abominable snowman have you found the fake ganon <laughs> like, yeah yeah there's a dude named zant who was supposed to be the main villain were like, you no, on ga- were you on gamecubes or Wii's? I was on GameCube and he was on Wii. Okay, yeah. GameCube was the way better experience for sure. Boy, howdy. Yeah, but I bet at the time you probably didn't feel that way. At the time you were like... Honestly, I'm thinking about playing Twilight Princess again on Wii. Yeah. Just because like, I remember you could hookshot and aim with it, right? You could like use the... I think that was far... For every time you had to do that, (laughs) there's a million times when you just... Waggling the controller. Or waggling, yeah. I played all through Twilight Princess on a Wii also... And just wish I hadn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, that's that's great. So, did you guys enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. I, I I remember not a lot from that game, and I played the hell out of it. Yeah. I remember hating the wolf. Midnight was fine, <laughs> and the I loved that cabin, that weird haunted snow cat. We're like. The dad is possessed, like the dad snowman mm. is possessed. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I don't remember about? this, no. Yeah, it, it, so in place of like an ice temple, you're kind of going through someone's house. Weird. You're going through like a, an, a snowman's house, like, like a snow monster's house. Oh, okay. And the snow monster's wife is like, she want, she's like, help me. My husband has been possessed by Ganon or something like that. Or it's reversed and the mom is possessed by Ganon, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, I just remember that that being so weird for Zelda. Like, this is not. It wasn't. It was. It acted like it was a temple, but it wasn't a temple. It's like a. It was their house. That's cool. Yeah, oh, that game needs to get on Switch. Also, there was a snowboarding element to that game too, right? To Twilight Princess, where you snowboarded down a mountain. <laughs> there My, has to be. There, I, I know that was in is. Breath of the Wild. That's in Breath of the Wild for sure. But Under Shield. Yes, but th- there was also that in Twilight Princess. That I'm pretty right. sure. Oh, you know game. what I also remember is like the weird, like that mini game where you're, you launch high into the air and you're trying to float down through the rings of the big lake. Yeah. I remember that. Dude, I, I played that game over Christmas break. Yeah. That was when this upstairs downstairs <laughs> thing was happening. Yeah. And it was so fast. Like yeah. I, I felt like I needed to beat it before school came out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't remember a single thing about it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. I remember being like frustrated because we weren't getting to Ganon, and then we finally got to Ganon, and I was like, great. And we just had like a fight in the field or something. Yeah. All fights. Here's the thing. Yeah. All fights should take place on the roof of a castle. I love it. Yeah. Every, especially sword fights, Mm -hmm. and especially in universes where there are castles. What are we doing here? We'd have a fight in a field. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Breath of the Wild ends. Breath of the Wild ends in a field. In a field, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Ocarina of Time is, is. it's the best That's a roof and, on the castle. And that is also Wind oh, Waker is that too. They're both on the roof yeah. of castles. Yeah. Put it on the roof of a castle. And, and also give me human Ganon at one point. Yes. Don't like he can be monster Ganon after that, mm-hmm. but or before and then his final form is human. I think this is an Aladdin thing too. I feel like antagonists are so much more frightening when they're humans. Yeah. And, like, Aladdin did it perfectly in that they had him human, and then mm-hmm. they turned him into a snake, <laughs> and then they turned him into a genie, which yeah. is kind of, like, human-ish, human-ish. again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Resident Evil's really bad about that. Mm-hmm. They have a human antagonist, Resident Evil 4 specifically, uh, they have a human antagonist, and at the end, he turns into a bloated monster. Yeah. And it's like, don't do that. 
<laughs> don't do that yeah just keep them human that's humans great. are scary so uh i guess as we're as we're com- coming to the end of this we're gonna wrap it up but like wh- where do you wh- what kind of role do you, does video games play in your life today mm. i mean right now it's just stress okay it's just yeah. resident evil 2 and, yeah and trying to beat that fucking ghost survivor oh sure Shit. so it causes stress yeah oh nice okay uh Right now, video games are playing this role where they should be stress relief, mm-hmm. and um, but I kind of feel guilty when I play them. Like mm. I feel like I should be working, I should be writing, I should be making something. Or even when I play a video game, it's like then I should write a sketch about it or write an article about it. Yeah. And I'm trying to get to a place, and I just resubscribed to Xbox Game Pass. Oh, very kind of cool. Specifically for this. Yeah. Like, I need to get to a place where I can just play a video game and try it out and have some fun with it and then let it go. Oh, and sure. It can just be like that experience matters enough. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's hard. It, like, I, I mean, I have this with everything I'm working on. I want to turn it into a product. Yeah. And it's like, you can't live your life that way. Mm-hmm. I know. I know that. <laughs> I haven't. Dude, I feel the, I feel the same way. way. I was in Lake Arrowhead over the weekend, and uh, uh, we were talking with one of our friends, and J- Jackie, my girlfriend, was making fun of me about how many con- video game consoles I own, uh-huh. and she and uh, and she was like, she was like, yeah, how many do you think he owns? And then they were like, I don't know, like four <laughs> and the real answer is more like 10 right right so i'm like I'm like no like 10 and then and somebody in the group was like yeah but i mean that's kind of like what you do for work <laughs> <laughs> and i was just like i sort of <laughs> i guess yeah. like like no but <laughs> okay like sure like that made me feel better about uh-huh. it but it is like it was one of those things where it's like oh wow like yeah like i I did turn that into work in some respect. Like mm-hmm. I just like decided I, I'm not allowed to, to do anything for just fun yeah, and have to make projects out of it. So I very much relate to that of like, Oh yeah. Now I'm like writing content online about video games and like I have a podcast about video games mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But yeah, um, it would be great to figure out a way to, I don't know. Cause like, just playing by myself alone doesn't feel great anymore. Mm, mm-hmm. And so like I, and now it's like, am I trying to recapture these fun times growing up? Like yeah. am I trying to throw a video game party? Am I trying to, <laughs> uh, you and I have talked about it. This is the idea of doing like a video game live show where yeah. we actually are having like short challenges that like, people in the audience could come up and play like yeah. that would be so fun oh for sure yeah and uh doing like a, a live show or a streaming show something like that I, i've thought of uh i've tried to i've tried to turn playing playing video games into something that feels like entertainment and also feels like the fun of everyone hanging out together yeah. and playing and i think you can do both but i also don't think that you should necessarily feel pressured to do both yeah and I kind of, I kind of land similar, uh, similarly to that too, with you, where I do feel like, oh yeah, video games are sort of, uh, I make them more of a chore than they need to be. Right. There's also like, I feel like if I start a game, I, I should finish it, yeah. which is silly because you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. that. That's what I specifically think Xbox Game Pass is great about. Yeah. And why the idea of like a streaming <clears throat> Netflix thing is so appealing to me. Like I like the idea of trying out. Have you heard of this game, Hello Neighbor? Yeah. Uh, I love the concept of that game so much. Yeah. And was thinking about buying it for Switch. 
Mm-hmm. And then I saw it was on Xbox Game Pass and downloaded it and hated it so much. Yeah. It yeah. plays very poorly. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, because it's that's very true. Like I PS Now is great about that because it's like I can play Katamari forever for 20 minutes, yes. which is all I ever want to play of Katamari yeah. forever. And I don't have to pay $30 to have that on Switch. Mm-hmm. I can play it for free on my PlayStation and then just be like, yeah, I don't care now. I don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, like Resident Evil Code Veronica is on PS... Uh, Come again? PS Now. Oh, boy. And uh, I, yeah, I could play that for as long as I want to. Uh-huh. You know, like, uh, and maybe and maybe stop. Oh, not, uh, me. not me. I would have to, <laughs> you'd have to, go <laughs> I'd have to get through it. it. All right, but uh, that's yeah. That's gonna. I think that's gonna do it for this episode. Uh, we we did it, Mikey McCaller, oh, yeah. uh, incredible uh, artist and uh, video game connoisseur. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at Michael McCaller, and uh, on Instagram at Michael McCaller. Oh, nice! I'm did gonna, you start an Instagram? You, I, you already. I have, have one. one, and I'm gonna start posting art to it. That's now. that's your that is your medium right I there. Know. That's your social media doing? outlet. Yeah, Facebook's dead anyway. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then you can find me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. Um, anyways, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, and have a uh, safe <laughs> have a safe drive. Uh, we'll see you next week. If near is just as far away as far Then I'm permitted one act I can say I choose to sit here next to you and wait